0: Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church podcast. We hope you are encouraged by the following message. But really want to say welcome. It's so good to have you if you are visiting. Um, For those of us that are here today, my prayer or our prayer is that you would receive something from the Word of God today as we share and continue along our series, The Jesus Lifestyle. We started it a few weeks ago, basing it on the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5 all the way through to Matthew chapter 7. And over the coming weeks, we've been looking at and going to look at what Jesus taught his followers about what their lifestyle should look like. Um, The world's culture today, the, the culture that we live in is so focused on the external, how we look, what we wear, but what we find through scripture, time and time again, God is more interested in what's going on inside than what we're wearing and looking like on the outside. He's more interested, you know, the Bible says that man looks at the outside, but God looks on the heart. And uh, so the culture that we live in today is so focused on the externals, but God, Jesus, is so interested on the internals, what's happening in our hearts. And the question that we've looked at a couple of weeks and want to look at again this morning is, where do we draw most of our thoughts about what our lifestyle should be? Our lifestyle, the way that we live, the way that we respond to situations, the way that we, we talk, the way that we view other people, the way that we view the city, the town that we live in, the way that we view our homes. Where do we draw most of our, our thoughts about our, our lifestyle from? I would say without exception, it's from the, for the culture that we live in. It's from the, the media, the TV, the, the stuff that's always bombarding us 24-7. And I think this thought's so true as Christians. We have to be so careful that it, we don't get caught up in the world's projection of what our lifestyle should be, but continually remind ourselves that we are nothing and are stewards of everything. I wanted to stop right there this morning because as I was praying in the office today, I really felt that God wanted to bring a reminder to, to us again, many of us again, from the the story that Jesus told, a parable. What's a parable? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly heavenly meaning. Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter twelve, and it's around. I started this series of a number of weeks around the bigger barn syndrome. There was a guy there that was blessed by God. He, uh, he built some barns, but he had so much more um, stuff that he started to acquire. What he thought within himself is that rather than give the money away, what I'll do is I'll continue to store up. I'll build myself bigger barns. I'll start to gather as much resources as I can, and then I'll sit on those barns, and I'll look back and say, wow, Saul, you've done so well for yourself. Enjoy the rest of your life. Now, we know that that story goes on to say that the, the, uh, God came and required his soul that night and said, you fool, you fool. And I think the temptation for many, many Christians today is that we can think that everything that we've been given is all about us and our future, and that's all that it's about. Can I encourage us all this morning, especially those who are a little bit older, Not many of those in the building. But there is no retirement in God. What is your next adventure in God? What is the next thing that God's calling you to do with the resources that he's blessed you with? Amen. And I don't know who that's for this morning, but I just felt again to share that. Because uh, the, the the scripture says, uh, you you're fool. Um, you fool, you didn't realize that that you, you you were meant to be rich towards God. They placed all their emphasis on what they had, what was in their bank account, their home, etc. He did that, and did not put his trust and his whole focus in God. He wasn't rich. They weren't rich towards God in their actions, in their deeds. They weren't rich towards God with their giving and with their resources. Amen. God wants us to be rich towards him. Amen. So last Sunday morning, we looked at the lifestyle of mercy out of uh, Matthew chapter 5. This morning, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5. If you want to open up your Bibles right now to Matthew chapter 5 and go to verse 21. We're going to go through 21 through to 26, and we're going to see this morning, our topic is how to handle anger. How to handle anger. Right now, if you know someone next to you gets a little bit angry, don't give them a jab, because that would be a bit intimidating. But I think that there are people here this morning that this message is for. You might think you don't struggle with anger. That's all right. You're just going to enjoy the thoughts that come out of the word of God as we we look at it this morning. But people that could be here potentially are justifying their anger. We're going to look at what um, healthy anger is and we're going to look at what unhealthy anger is as we go along this morning. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to 26, we're going to get to it in a moment. Just interesting, I was looking at um, doing some some, uh, brief research around this whole topic of of anger and you know studies are showing in Australia uh, that anger is becoming a a more common thing with people in particular in the area of road rage anyone ever experienced any road rage don't put your hand up terrible Lisa did but uh, people are becoming angrier In our society, in our community day, there's more more incidences of people getting angry and being um, rageful. Um, Just a couple of little um, illustrations. A driver uh, in Melbourne was punched up to six times after he didn't let another car cut into his lane. This was in Melbourne. The guy got out of the car and punched him six times because he wouldn't let him into the lane. Uh, In March just this year, a 53-year-old had stopped at traffic lights in South Yarra in Melbourne's southeast, moments after not allowing a Honda sedan to nose into his lane. Uh, the passenger got out of the Honda, uh, wasn't happy with the outcome, so he jumped out and punched the Turak man uh, multiple times just because he wouldn't let him in the lane in front of him. Just crazy stuff. New research shows a huge percentage of drivers across Australia are equally aggressive behind the wheel, in particular females. Up to. <laughs> just joking. I, just, I put that one in, that's not statistic, I just, just joking. But Monash University did a, a research and up to 86%, nearly 90% of Australians on the road admit to being aggressive or angry when they're driving. The research from Monash University, the Accident Research Centre, also discovered that 20% of people admitted they chased another driver in their cars to intimidate them. 20% of, of motorists admit to chasing another car to intimidate them. The truth is, it's easy to justify our anger because of the actions of others. In fact, more people are justifying their anger as a way of being self-assertive. And just a little thought, what does anger, when we get angry, what does it do to our bodies? Well, anger is an emotion and a natural passion and anger changes our body Physically. Adrenaline flows through our bodies when we are angry. Hunger disappears when you're angry. Uh, We have a clearer and more focused vision and we receive an increased supply of testosterone. Glucose is actually released in the reserves of our liver. We feel strong surges of emotion. But listen to it this morning. The difficulty we face when when we are angry is that we do not sin. It's what the apostle Paul warned us of in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 he said this be angry and do not sin do not let your do not let the sun go down on your wrath so the bible teaches us that that we are not not to be angry but it says to be angry and do not sin. We want to talk a little bit about that this morning. So the Bible teaches that we can get angry, but our anger must not lead to sin. In fact, look what Jesus taught from Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through to 26. Jesus talked about ill-directed anger. Have a look at it this morning in verse 21. He says, you have heard said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders is in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, Whoever is angry with his or her brother or sister without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Wow. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, which uh, shall be in uh, danger of the council, but whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Wow. The potential of our words... Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave the gift there before you go to the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Listen to what he said. I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Now, there's a few, uh, several Greek words uh, for the word anger. The word used in this passage here means long-lived anger. The anger of a person who nurses up wrath to keep it warm or an anger that broods, refuses to be pacified and seeks revenge. What Jesus is concerned with in this passage is the wrong sort of anger that lies unresolved in our heart festering until it breaks out in destructive behavior. Anger is a powerful emotion that have not kept in check can have devastating effects to those people around it. Unlike Jesus, we get angry because we get hurt or we're jealous um, or our toes have been trodden on by someone else, so we get our noses put out of joint. But the truth is, in a moment of anger, what can happen can be life-altering. Soul-destroying words can be spoken. Uh, life-changing physical acts can take place, and all of a sudden, in a moment of untamed, uh, unfettered un, um, anger, we can damage the lives of people around about us in, in terrible ways absolutely terrible ways in the book of James in James chapter 1 he has some comments in his opening statements about anger as well and James highlights the importance of what he's about to say in verse 19 it says this take note of this this is what he says take note of this listen to what I'm about to say everybody should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to what sorry again slow to what slow to anger that we should think before we speak we should choose our words carefully but in a moment of anger we can speak and say things that potentially will devastate the soul of an individual crush them just by one word that we could speak out of an angry heart There are many verses in Proverbs that speak about the importance of controlling our speech in times of anger. In Proverbs 17, 27, it says, A man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even-tempered. Jesus himself brings a warning and says it just in the few verses before. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, empty head, that's how it's it's, um, defined there, Empty head shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. What? What? That is just scary. All too often, it's uncontrolled anger at someone that leads us to speak too quickly and to say too much. We get really angry, and all of a sudden, blah. Now, I know no one else in this building has ever done that. I know. You're all far above reproach. But I do know of times where, as an individual, you can get angry over stuff that probably you really shouldn't get angry about, but you choose to get angry. You allow that emotion to rise. And then, in a moment, what you can say towards someone can be life altering for them that's why Jesus said if you say you call your brother a fool (laughs) you you said you fool what did he go on to say he talked about hellfire what that's why James says you know be careful Be, be, be premeditated about what you're going to say make sure that You don't speak out of anger because in your anger, you have the potential to destroy someone else's life by the word that you speak. Our words are so powerful. Did you know our words are spirit and life? Every time you speak, you have the power to be able to create. Every time you speak, you have the power to either to build up or to pull down. God wants us to be the individuals that understand the power of the words that we speak. In the beginning, God said, and there it was. Amen? we say the God that's created by the words that he speaks, we have the same potential within as well. Hallelujah. When we speak, we have the ability to be able to create. Scary thought. Let's move on. So so what James is saying about anger, he's not saying never be angry or anger is always sin, but he does say be slow in becoming angry, implying that all Anger is not wrong or sin. So what does the Bible say about anger? I just wanted to bring it to our attention, to our thoughts this morning. I want to highlight today that not all anger is wrong. I believe that there's such a thing as righteous anger and indignation towards evil. That's the sort of anger that's okay. Amen. In fact, we find in Scripture there's a time to be angry, but it's called righteous anger. And how do we define righteous anger or where are the examples of that? Well, uh, John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Listen to what it says about Jesus. Jesus drove all the money changers, traders, sheep, and cattle from the temple courts and overturned their tables. Zeal for the Father's house had kindled his righteous anger. So, anger that's based in righteousness is okay, all right? Anger towards unrighteousness. That's what Jesus was demonstrating there. Um, he, the, the, zeal for his father house king, kindled his righteous anger. Anger towards unrighteousness is okay. Then in the Old Testament, there's another example in Exodus chapter 32, 19 to 20, when Moses came down from the mountain and saw the, the golden calf and all the people dancing around the golden calf. They'd forgotten about all the stuff that God had done, and they'd made an own, their own um, 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 idol to worship. Moses is up there with meet, meeting with God, comes down and sees what's going on, and listen to what the Bible says. His anger burned within him. Righteous anger is okay. Anger towards unrighteousness. When we hear about children that have been slaved into the sex trade, it's all right to have an unrighteous excuse me to have a righteous anger towards that when we hear about people being blown up by islamic terror it's all right for us to have a righteous anger towards that amen righteous anger or indignation is the sort of anger that god wants us to have righteous anger is motivated by love and righteousness is not motivated by uncontrolled temper or or anger there is such a thing as righteous anger but what jesus says is wrong is the thoughtless unrestrained temper that often leads to rash harmful and irretrievable words or actions and in this instance in anger potentially as i said we have the potential to crush and to wound other people in james chapter one as we said before in verse 20 james then teaches what is wrong with unrighteous anger have a listen to it this morning For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Let's do it. Man's anger, unrighteous anger, anger that's emotive, anger that just flares up at any instance, anger that just gets cranky just because you're feeling a little bit put out, anger that you know just starts to bubble up within you. You just allow that thing to start to rise up. You you can feel it coming and you, you just sort of go with it. Listen to it, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God describes, That God desires. In fact, the contemporary English version says it this way. If you are angry, you cannot do any of the good things that God wants done. Amen? Righteous anger. Indignation towards the injustice towards others is good amen let's not be loose limb christians you know just everything's all right and what no there are times where we need to rise up in our spirit and say no that's wrong let's pray in jesus name but anger that's just based out of our emotions and we just fly fly off the handle and we just think because someone's upset us we just we're just going to give it to them well that's wrong that's why Jesus said there, uh, anger towards a brother without a just cause is going to open you up to judgment. So we're going to finish with just these two little thoughts this morning. Number, number one, anger hurts both ourselves and other people. When we have unrighteous anger and we get flared up on the inside, potentially it will hurt ourselves and other people. Illustration for that was Cain killed Abel in anger and because of that he became a marked man. He killed his brother out of anger towards him. Moses struck the rock in the Old Testament in anger instead of speaking to it, and he fortified the promised land. He struck the rock in anger and fortified the promised land. That's why Jesus said that unrighteous anger brings the judgment of God. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. If I could have the, the worship team, the, the band, the worship team, that's what we'll call them. Amen. Just to finish this morning with what the, the Bible says that we should do with our unrighteous anger. I don't know this morning, but I would expect there are people here that struggle with anger. At times you just find it so easy to flare up and just to act out. I believe today God wants to encourage you to say, no, nah, that's not what you need to be doing as a son or a daughter of God because your anger has the potential to destroy those around about you. Your anger has the potential to limit the potential of other people as well. Amen. So this verse of scripture here we'll finish with this morning. Colossians chapter three, verse eight. What does it teach that we should do with our unrighteous anger? Listen to it in verse eight. It says, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, Rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices. Listen to it. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. The first key to overcoming anger is to choose to daily to put off the old man, that sinful nature, and every day choose to put on the new nature, the new man. It's a choice that we get to make. But every day we have the opportunity. So as we conclude this morning, the question is, is your anger potentially destroying those around you? Could we all just bow our heads and close together? Lord, we thank you. Is your anger potentially destroying, destroying, harming, affecting, limiting those around you while every head's bowed and eyes closed this morning? Father, I just thank you for every person that you know here today. Father, for individuals this morning that maybe have left and allowed their anger to be unchecked, unfettered, then right now in Jesus' name, right now in Jesus' name, we thank you today that you'll bring to their understanding, to their mind, to their soul, their body, their spirit today that you've called us to have a righteous anger not an unrighteous one. So Lord, today I thank you right now in Jesus' name for individuals right across this place that you are touching their lives, you are healing, that you are bringing to mind their, their words that may have been spoken in anger and that you are helping them today, Lord. Helping them today. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.